Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. And uh, let me just give you my my personal guarantee that there will be no Avengers Endgame spoilers in this podcast. So you're free to listen. Although people uh, have to say it, people really treat that as a big deal, huh? I can't believe Thanos got whacked in the head by a crowbar. (laughs) <laughs> at this point by the time this post that by the time this episode actually gets out into the public i feel like most people have will have already seen it that care because uh i know i know i went on friday at 8 30 and people online to get in were already saying they were on their second time going Jeez. Uh, so okay man i yeah I, you know as somebody who really cares about spoilers i gotta say there's a weird fucking discourse around Endgame, you know. Like I'm, I'm seeing some like weird, like far too like reverent takes on on Endgame. Like, you know, people are oh, people it is think- it is your moral imperative to not spoil Endgame. Like, yeah, if you are, if you are a yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> it is the conclusion to something people have invested eleven years of their time in. So I can yeah, understand why people care more about it than just any other sure sure but it's 11 years of like middling to somewhat decent you know like eye candy you know it's it's i know yeah look i Um, I will never understand why people care like how people care so much about anything to such a degree i mean some things just matter inherently more you know like giant robots but uh, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I guess the thing I will say the weird, the weirdest take I definitely saw was, uh, you know, like obviously there are cam rips for Endgame that are out already, right? Because that sure. happens to all movies, yes. right? Like spoilers, all movies eventually like get filmed in secret and thrown online. And I've seen some weird takes that were like, like if you truly care about geek culture, like. You wouldn't film Endgame. <laughs> Endgame should be experienced in the theater. Like you are, you're doing your I fellow mean, geeks a, a, yeah. a disservice. And I'm like, yo, fucking. This is take it this easy. is the same kind of like holier than thou bullshit that is like this game was meant to play on the best PC, and if you don't, you're disrespecting the How developers. Dare you not like, play at 4K 60 frames per second? Yeah. And you didn't even mention the 1610 monitor. Or is it 69? <laughs> I, I don't... 219. 21.9 monitor or whatever. Uh, uh, yes, nerds. Nerds never change. Um, I know I only watch my anime once it's been thrown through a really weird 60 FPS filter. <laughs> Fuck that shit, man. <laughs> I hate that shit. Uh, Doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I... I I wish that uh, that link to the last season's Kaguya-sama ED with the dancing in sixty frames per second didn't get taken down. That that was just uh, looks so weird, man. That was interesting. Don't call to say yourself the least. a true anime fan unless you watch it in Japan on a shitty CRT TV at like three <laughs> in the morning on some local channel. <laughs> the way the way anime was meant to be watched. Uh, what at like twenty twenty. <laughs> At 2500 time or whatever yeah. fucking their weird notation for that anyway yeah. 
Anyway, so uh, so what's the plan for today, Jill? That's a good question, Iro. Because uh, if you've been listening to some of our previous podcasts since uh, the last one, we we were kind of curious as to what we were going to do because. Quite frankly, we're not really watching a lot of new anime this season. Um, and, I mean, I'm watching uh, more than ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem. I'm, wa- I'm watching a, several things. I just don't think half of them are worth. Yeah. Like, oh no, about, no, you yeah. know, like I, I think even if we we'll added them there, up, but... the grand total would not be enough to fill an entire podcast. And also have like enough to actually say about some of the shows as we'll discuss. So yeah, I mean, I I feel like it is no. I feel like we are not exaggerating when we are saying this is one of the weakest seasons of anime in in memory yeah, at least. I think we'll like, talk. I think the good shows are like really good, but then everything yeah. else is just like super boring. That's the thing, and that's why I think you're exaggerating when you're saying this is one of the weakest seasons. I'd rather have a season with two absolutely fantastic shows like we have now than a season with like five. Okay, I guess I'll watch this shows. <laughs> I, I think that's being unfair because A, well, we'll get into this later, but I don't think both of those shows are necessarily that fantastic. But well, because B, they don't have any giant robots in them. Like, but B, it's, hey, you know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with a season that is just a bunch of, like, 7 and 8 out of 10s. Well, that was, like, last season, at least, right? Like, and the yeah, one before that. at least that. something to talk about. And the one before that. And the one before that. Well, I, I, I don't know if, like, I'd even I, I will not, I will not even... hear that talk when we get, you know, we just, what? You know, we just had that season with like you know fucking Gridman and a bunch of other stuff just not too long ago. So, yeah, I just don't know that I'd give even like Demon Slayer for gone even a seven or eight out of ten at this. Oh point. no, no, but that's what I mean. Like the only reason we're even like for me, that's why I say this is such a weak season because like we would not even be watching those shows in like any normal season where you know the usual like high marks are showing up. Yeah. So. Anyway, with that in mind, we're going to try to do something a little bit different uh, this episode. And uh, we're going to talk about um, some anime news and, well, anime anime or anime adjacent news. We will probably talk a little bit about games like we often do at the beginning of the podcast. Um, For this episode, I want to touch on something maybe we'll try to do. uh, Looking at uh, anime turning 10 this season. So maybe we can do that as a seasonal event. Uh, all feel old together instead of just all, yes, now. Yes, we can all feel old together. We can talk about that, and then we will talk about the two uh, new two of the shows airing this season that we actually are watching: uh, uh, Carol and Tuesday and Sars Online. So hopefully that'll be enough to f- kill uh, ninety minutes. We'll see how it goes, and uh, yeah, so. Before we get Better into than talking about some dumbass show about a whiny bitch who won't get in the robot for two hours. Oh boy! Yes, well, yes. That's 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 another uh, thing we'll get to in another the, podcast. Plug all the uh, the podcasts, but uh, anyway, uh, just to introduce everybody, I'm Jell. We also have Iro. I'm still here. Iro, as always, here with us. We have G. I like the robot. I just don't like the kid getting into the robot. I think okay, that is yes. an entirely fair take. That's that's another podcast. <laughs> we'll get we'll get back into that later. And uh, it's been a while, but we have uh, we have Aqua back with us. 
Finally, some taste back in this goddamn show. <laughs> uh, well, taste for a Mia first for a for a definition of the word, but yes. <sighs> so anyway, um, as we're saying, we're gonna kick things off by you know talking about uh, stuff currently going on, and you know maybe we can just go around and ask you know what everybody's been watching, playing. Because if we're not watching the currently airing anime, what other kind of stuff we got going on? Um, so I don't know if anybody wants to volunteer to go first. What have you guys been up to, up to since last uh, episode? Well, uh, I have been watching the, uh, legendary 1988 science fiction OVA. (laughs) You're right. We haven't, we need to catch up. We don't actually have that much time. We kind of need to watch those episodes and record. It's actually kind of a problem. <laughs> well, you did, you did watch another legendary show. Um, All right. Yeah. Then. Yeah. We, we, we have started, uh, you know, uh, as of this, by the time you guys are listening to this, we will have uh, released our first episode of our, of our new and very relevant uh, neon Genesis Evangelion recap podcast, uh, where uh, gel Eero and I are uh, watching the, uh, legendary 1995 uh, mecha series, and uh, as somebody who has never watched it before, uh, I'm kind of uh, kind of giving my live uh, reactions and takes as we go through it. That's uh, that's been very interesting. That's been a lot of fun. I'm uh, very much kind of enjoying, you know, making making my way through this series and kind of just you know reacting to it uh, organically on my own terms. So in other words, if you want to hear uh, someone being wrong for two hours and are tired of watching Fox News, you can listen to that. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I don't uh... talk for that long. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Aqua, I'm on there. And I'm, like wow, starting our like, Glorio, like our content has just been migrating further and further backwards in time. Honestly, <laughs> like I mean, I think it's more just a statement to uh, kind of like we like we said, kind of what this season has been like. You know that we are just kind of finding time to uh, to check out other stuff. Yeah, look uh, forward to our look forward to our new podcast, Glory Ororo, in which we watch the original nineteen sixties Dororo anime. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll further back by... than that. What what do we got? Like fucking. Astro Boy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gigantor. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, Iro or Aqua, do you have anything to throw um, in? I reread Sengoku Yoko by one Satoshi Mizukami, who uh, That's a good manga. did Planet With and uh, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. And uh, it's still pretty good. That is guy's this your still first reread, good. or is this? Uh, <laughs> or... Yeah, uh, I I've gone through Biz Camera Spirit Circle a few times, but Sengoku Yoko is like probably my least favorite of the the bunch. Uh, which is not to say it's bad, but kind of yeah, drags. Yeah, yeah, it kind of drags in a couple of places. Like it's. Uh... Is it his longest manga? It's like yeah, it's like a hundred chapters. Yeah, yeah. I think uh I think I feel like Mizukami's best works are the ones that are kind of economic in their pacing. And I feel like I, I like Sengoku Yoko a lot as well, but it, I think it is definitely one where there are still some undeniably like really great high moments, but I guess not low moments, but it's like there are definitely those moments where it's like 
I thought I was supposed to be talking about this. <laughs> oh, my apologies. <laughs> oh, no, no, we move on. Uh, All right. So, talking uh, about it. What other takes do you have on <laughs> Sengoku Yoko? Uh, I really like the chapter separation where uh, I, I like how uh, it feels like it ends a third of the way through and then goes, actually, that was chapter one. This is, Here's chapter two. And that I really like the effect drawn by that. Oh, so, so it's not Okami? God, uh, I mean, like, structure-wise, like, where you think it's actually the end of the game, but it was only just part one. Kind of. Yeah, I guess, huh? Yeah, it kind of does do that structure in now that now that you now that you explained what you what you meant by Black Okami, yes, it does kind of do that. So it's like not chronological order type. It of is, thing. it is, yeah. but uh, like it just keeps going past what you thought where you thought it might end. Oh, okay. All right, that's pretty cool. I don't know. Check out oh. everything Music Kami's done. If you want to read Mizukami's third best manga, go ahead <laughs> and check it out. I mean, you uh, might as well, because they're never going to get an anime, so... It's true. Yeah, very true. Aqua, do you have uh, well, anything I think interesting you can check out? To watch any like anime outside of the regular airing anime, but I did totally get this letter box that I made to spell out anime was a mistake. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's I think we can all agree on that. That's nice anime related. <laughs> Are you watching any other shows aside from the, the from this from this season? Aside from the ones we were going to talk about today? No. Or, okay. Just curious. We're not, even watching, we're not even watching the Taku anymore, I think. Oh, right. Rio Soldier. Right. Yeah, right. Did it, yeah, that's right. New stuff came out, right? Like, that's yep. all happening. There is a new Sentai show, and it has the problem that every bad Sentai show has, <laughs> which is they bring in some new writer who's like, well, how hard can it be to write this? And then it turns out that it's actually really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel all like right. there's a line when when you're doing a like show for kids, there's a line between like totally patronizing to children and like respecting the children's intelligence with the writing. And uh, I feel like that's the line between a d- decent kid's show and a bad kid's show. <laughs> or at least like acknowledging that children have a sense of humor that isn't just like people shouting and falling over. And or yeah, I don't know. <sighs> so that wasn't that one's not good then, huh? No, no, not really. We ca- we cannot really recommend it. And yeah, that brings us too bad, to like, because, yeah, go ahead. The first season in forever where both Goblin Rider and Super Sentai are bad. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like you guys have had other seasons where they're both not great. It's been a but... few years. Yeah. Okay. Which Goblin well, Rider I mean, we are inside the ninja? <laughs> uh, fuck. Was it Ghost? I, I. I don't know. Yes. Probably. I don't All remember. Right. It was yeah. so so long ago. I mean, Kamen so Rider what? has been bad for so long that I guess the last bad Sentai also aired alongside a bad Kamen Rider. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Tokyuger and some, I don't know. Tokyuger right. aired with time, so. That's right. 
yeah. Throw that on the. Think it's weird. Like, throw that on the the pile of disappointment this season. Then, hooray! But uh, all right. Well, on my end, I'll just wrap things up by shouting out to my Grand Blue Fantasy crew as we destroyed. <laughs> the latest PVP event that happened in between uh, episodes here. And we went four and zero. All, all challengers were, were decimated. It was pretty great. I'm just going to have a like gel gotcha segment every, uh, <laughs> every I could literally talk about grand blue fantasy strategies for the next 30 minutes, but I don't think who, anybody... can, who can come up with a catchy jingle. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think anybody wants to hear that, but uh, you know, shout out to my crew who are all, it's it, it's very interesting because I'm the only person that speaks English. Everyone else is Japanese. Um, <laughs> I, but it's but uh, my crew leader does their best to communicate with me in English, and also they have like um, in battle. Well, I guess in the chats too. They basically have like line stickers. Like if mm-hmm. Blue Fantasy <laughs> was line, yeah. so uh, we all communicate with line stickers, and it's all very pure and wholesome and uh-huh. positive everyone's like yeah I mean, let's do it good job you know so it's you're pretty... the token foreigner in their quirky squad <laughs> yes. so so i'm like yeah i'm like uh what was the guy in angel beats that just like <laughs> uh, TK. yes i'm like tk from angel beats where i'll randomly say something in english like you know you'll, you'll say get chance and luck yes i'm like get chance and luck and everyone's like spamming stickers at me you know it's <laughs> it's pretty great um, I mean, you know what? At least Grand Blue has enough depth to it to uh, to even, I guess, endear something like that. You know, because uh, yes. you know, you know now- gotcha games I play. You know, boy, there's not a whole lot to yeah. to talk about there. So, yeah, because you see, G, now that I've hit rank 120, I can uncap my Omega weapons and summons, particularly the summons. And so to do oh, that, do you- tell. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> leave that one alone. Uh, okay, so let's get into some news items, um, and we'll kind of talk about some of the things that happened since last episode. I'm going to start with some of the more serious items here first and get those out of the way. Uh, first, I think probably most prominently was the passing of um, manga artist Monkey Punch, uh, most famous for creating Lupin the Third. Um, yes. Most famous for creating the design of Flubon. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how much you know because I mean, Lupin I've mostly... has had so many different variations over time yeah. that, like, right. But, true, uh, true. But I, I do think there's something to be said. You know, again, I mean, look, I, I have not read the original, you know, Lupin manga. Hell, I haven't even watched the original uh, TV anime series. But you know. I think there's something to be said about uh, effectively creating, you know, an iconic character, you know? I mean, even if that character does get, you know, like, analyzed and remixed and, like, revamped, you know, time and time again, like, I think, uh, you know, that stuff doesn't happen by coincidence. That doesn't happen to every character, you know? Like, there, there has to be kind of a specific, like mixture of traits and things that come together to uh to create a character that can be interpreted uh in such a diverse manner yeah i thought it was interesting that you know we just had the series you know last year was it not even a year ago right um yeah part five the, the part five series that you guys all really loved and 
you know, I didn't watch it from what you guys are telling me. It seemed like sort of a, almost like a celebration of the character, right? And like how he'll, it was both like a, like a, a statement that Lupin will live on forever, but also probably could have been a place to, if they never made another Lupin again, that would have been a good place to stop. Yeah. Totally. Um, Yeah. It's one of those coincidental deaths that just happens to coincide with like the latest released project, sort of like revitalizing the work that the author has created and sort of serving as a kind of, I would always say vanguard of his passing. Right. So, it is one of those, I mean, if you think of it as like, it's a very, it happens more often than you think, but I I, I, I could compare it to the death of David Bowie, who like, before he died oh, also. Well, well, that was just like uncanny and also very yeah. appropriate what happened with him, yeah. but yes. yeah. <laughs> Who like released an album about like his legacy and how he how he was going to die and it became one of his most acclaimed albums in years and then he died. So like this is very similar. Like you have this Lupin anime that is about the legacy of Lupin, what wasn't he like means. The, um, wasn't like the release date set like in advance and then like he died like the day before it released or something like that? I think he died like three days after it released or something. It was like really, it was really weird, close, but yes. But uh. (laughs) I mean, this just reminds me of that. It is one of those like macabre as it is to say, one of those perfectly timed deaths. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, 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 I know what you're saying. It's not like, you know, we're not making light of it, but just, you know, it seems appropriate that that was, you know, the timing of it. But um but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I guess we'll, you know, Lupin obviously is a iconic anime character who is still, still with us. Like, like we said, he's, they're still putting out content, you know, less than a year ago that we've seen. So yeah. the, and- his, the legacy carries on for sure. I mean, if I was just, sorry, I was just going to use it as a segue. segue I was going to say, if you want to talk about like, not coincident, you know, not not convenient or coincidental, but very uh, uh, interestingly interestingly timed passings. You know, that actually kind of leads us into our uh, yeah the uh, next unfortunate passing that happened in this uh, past couple of weeks. Yes, so there was another uh, another uh, notable passing with uh, Kazuo Koike, who yes, I'm not as familiar with, but I he was a he was a contemporary of Monkey Punch. Yes. Um, most famous, I believe, for the the manga uh, Lone Wolf and Pup. Is that the title? Lone Wolf Cub. and Cub. Yes. Cub. Pub. Cub. Yes. Okay. Uh, Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf, Wolf Pub. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Lone Wolf and Pup would probably be a different anime. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of an interesting. I mean, you know, again, a very uh, misfortunate timing, I suppose. In fact, uh, his last tweet that I think was made uh, was about Monkey the, Punch on the like, day of his passing was about how he had always considered him and Monkey Punch to be kind of, you know, eternal rivals in terms of, you know, being these very like seminal uh, seinen mangaka, you know, like they, they kind of created some of the most noteworthy uh, uh, properties in the seinen uh, genre. You know, uh, Lupin for, you know, uh, Monkey Punch and then uh, Lone Wolf and Cub for uh, Kazuo Koike. Yeah. And uh, I will also say uh, 
Kazuo Koike, uh, interesting <laughs> character because interesting figure because uh, he also uh, yes everybody knows him for Lone Wolf and Cub, which is kind of this like mm-hmm. masterful iconic, you know like you know bloody samurai seinen manga. But he also created Mad Bull Thirty Four. Uh, for uh, those unfamiliar with that, Mad Bull Thirty Four is uh, it is a it is a seinen uh, cop action manga that takes place in a uh, very anime version of New York City and uh, being created in the nineteen what seventies or eighties. It uh, it is totally exactly what you might think it is. <laughs> Yeah, super um, racist. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All of it. Oh, yeah. All of it. Everything. Yeah. yeah, but everything. It is it is it is tawdry, it is violent, it's crass. But there's also an, an undeniable, like, masterful sense of humor at work there. Like uh it's it's uh I, I was reading a few chapters of Mad Bull 34 uh, in the wake of his passing, and uh you can definitely see like where a lot of the seinen genre kind of takes a lot of its cultural inspiration from when you're when you're reading a work like that you know just kind of the uh, the sensibility the i mean yes the violence yes the sex the gore etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm not saying those are either good things or bad things but you know you can definitely see a lot of uh a lot of the found, a lot of the foundation there right yep i think the only property i'm even remotely familiar with that i think i saw some of the the crying freeman ovas in like the early to mid 90s when i was a right he did that as well teenager looking for anime with sex and violence in it um i really, <laughs> I really don't remember any thing about them other than the name but I know, I know he was also he also wrote that series as well so yeah, unfortunate news, but you know they both—they're both in their eighties when they passed, left quite a legacy. So yeah, you know. I mean, I don't want to get too morbid here, but you know we are definitely reaching that you know that era when a lot of you know a lot of those iconic names are definitely getting older. You know, and, Stan Lee uh, died recently. Yeah, you know, uh, going to guy probably not too much longer. Yeah, oh, uh, Uncle, Uncle Go is only like in his early seventies, right? He's not. He's younger. He's younger. He. I mean, going to guy like you know we no, talk about he's like, in his seventies, yeah, yeah. We talk about his like you know sex and violence sensibilities and like you know reading Mad Bull thirty four. I was like, oh, this is probably where even going to guy himself probably got some of that inspiration. So, All right. All right. Well, you know, uh, like I said, they're you know they they've left those legacies that will continue to live live on. So, yeah. all right. Uh, let's move along to a story came out from a madhouse production assistant who was seeking compensation for some of the overwork he experienced working at the studio. I believe he still works at the studio, but, uh, the, I, obviously we've heard many stories about overwork in the anime industry, but I thought this one was particularly notable because he gave a lot of details about what happened. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are, um, not always willing to come forth with the details because, you know, they don't want to jeopardize their livelihood. But, uh, you know, he did not uh, portray his experience in a good light at all. And some of the highlights from the story that, you know, I'll link this in the post uh, that uh, Anime News Network translated some of the, the content from the original article. But 
he said uh, in his worst month, he worked 393 hours, which is about 13 hours a day with no days off, if you do the math on that. Um, he mentioned that Madhouse's policy does not pay you after 50 hours per week, which uh, which they still expect you to work more, and they do not explain this to you before you are hired on with the company. And, you know, I guess the the last straw for him was he just was walking home at like seven in the morning one day and just literally collapsed and just ended up in the hospital. And then he did, he did say they told him to take a day off, but he went back to work <laughs> the next day. Um, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, he's joined, he, I mean, he's trying to, I guess, I guess they're trying to, he joined a, some kind of union or something. I don't know how much authority that has in the current industry or whatever, but uh, in Japan. Yeah. I don't, Right. Yeah, like uh, you hear these stories out of basically every studio except like Kyoani, who are like notable for being not garbage when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah. And that's everywhere and Yep. I mean Yeah, I mean I think it is definitely one of those things where I mean anime is obviously gonna be the industry we are most keyed into, but you kind of just always hear about kind of just the very like really really messed up work ethic and conditions that is kind of endemic to it seems a lot of a lot of J- japanese uh businesses and industries but uh i think it's more striking with anime because you know and not to say it's justifiable elsewhere but anime is such a uniquely like Poor, poorly rewarding industry there's, you know, there's, yeah. workers. There's, like, a, there's a specific set of circumstances that make it worse yeah for the anime like, industry like it is it, it's bad enough to like fucking work yourself to death you know but to work yourself to death for i mean not literal pennies on the dollar but like you know for for very low pay you know like when we're talking like you know near minimum wage it's it's kind of i mean again minimum wage but then even without overtime pay right like it's it's uh it's kind of appalling frankly it's and it speaks to the disposable nature of anime to see how it is created like completely distant from any sort of rhyme or reason and i think we see a very similar thing in the gaming industry where where the thing is that it's unsustainable. The anime and the games that we have nowadays simply should not exist. We should not have this this many anime coming out, games that are so massive, so good-looking coming out, because every time one of these comes out, there's always a story of how people were exploited and how yeah. people actually had to overwork to get it done. So we are punching above our weight we are getting things that should not be that should not exist and i i can understand how for many fans of of those products it's like this is unimaginable you know what if we can never have another game like red dead redemption again because you know red dead redemption uh, 2 sorry was made you know it is the biggest grandest game of all time but it was also made on the backs of people who were not rewarded for the way too much work that they did. So that game has no right to exist. And I can understand how it's very hard for fans of those kind of things to say, 
to sort of ignore that or, or, or skirt around that because it's very uncomfortable to live with the idea that the thing you like was not in fact a work of love and dedication, but one of, you know, exploitation, greed, abuse. And I don't really know what to say about that. I, I mean, I, I yeah. can offer no solution for this aside from just, you know, claiming to take the moral high ground and say, I don't participate in this. I won't watch these anime. I won't buy these games, but you won't watch all, any anime ever. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's that. I mean, that, that, yeah. that you get into like a weird, uh, <laughs> and the thing is that won't change anything. Right. I mean, to take this back to anime, uh, the thing I will say that perhaps frustrates me about it is, uh, we already talk about how there's too much anime every season. You know, yeah, like, remember, we talk yeah. about this every seasonal preview. We 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 pick like the dozen or so we think that are worth talking about, but there are always like twenty to thirty to forty like TV series airing every season, every season, yeah. season after <clears throat> season. Like, we are talking about like hundreds of anime being created in a single year, and. Yeah. Most of those fall by the wayside. Most of those are barely worth talking about. You know, it, yeah. like I remember a headline from several months ago that was like some executive at a studio being like, "Well, if we don't work and play so hard, we'll have so we'll, we'll have like a fourth of the anime we have now." I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's the downside? There's no downside. Yeah. And, and I guess, I guess, obviously, you know, you know, to you know. And not not portray this argument disingenuously. Like, of course, there's always the chance that, like, oh, if we get a quarter of the anime, that also includes a quarter of the good anime, which you know, we already kind of struggle to get enough good anime. The ratio it. will be the same. Like, well, you know, like, yeah, I, guess, yeah, I mean, there's, the, there's also the if if you're making less, then uh, studios is there's a pretty good chance studios are going to be more risk averse, and we're just going to eat right. Either, it, it might even not be that the anime the the good bad ratio will be worse, but maybe the middle ratio will be higher. You know, everything's going to be middle of the road because you know you have to if you can or only make they'll just only make the stuff that brings in all the money. So right. idols all day, baby. And and so here's that's that's why I feel like my issue well, or my concern then isn't really necessarily with the product, but it is more with the intrinsically broken like economic model of anime, like. Yeah, right. The there idea is that a... anime, like, yeah, just like the idea that anime is made in a way where it's like, oh, well, we have to keep churning out the trash because if that trash sells like three thousand, four thousand, like uh, uh, Blu-ray copies, that's already a success. That's already like financial solvency. Yeah. It's like what kind of fucked up, like, like what kind of fucked up, like e economic system do you have? Where like, because here's the thing, uh, you were just talking about games, Aqua, but I feel like. At least with games, and I'm not going to say this is necessarily a good thing, but at least with games, you know, like a studio like Rockstar, a studio like, you know, EA or Activision or whatever, like, and I'm not saying this is necessarily a good system, you know, but it is a different system, but mm -hmm. they are spending all of their resources to create a single bespoke product. That's you true. Know, one that is refined beyond measure, you know, again, re refined beyond reasonable, humane measure, but it is... I guess I don't know necessarily if I'd say that's a better economic model, but it almost feels like it has to be compared to anime. Where it is a, it is a different economic model, and 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 like I said, I called anime disposable earlier because the supply and demand for that thing is so weird and messed up. But I think that 
you hit the nail right on the head when you said it. That is basically like, I think you can look at it even more cynically than that. That anime or the anime industry is just we throw everything we have at the wall and see what sticks. And if it doesn't stick, then it's just a loss. Then oh, it's just it's a like complete the waste of time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I think that's the thing. Is like I'm not saying oh, anime would the anime industry would improve if studios only focused on one two productions a year. You know, like obviously. Uh, you know that can that can have its own myriad of issues as we see with the games industry but i wonder you know and again i'm i'm not an economist i can't say you know i'm not i don't write for you know japanese business insider you know like i can't say i know what the solution is but i feel like i feel i mean again i mean if i want to get very high level the problem starts with japanese work culture yeah but if i want to you know if i want to go a little bit lower than that than that then i feel like the problem lies with the business model of anime you know it's yeah. like well, something has to change there but because if that doesn't change because here's the thing right like i mean i think you know you know kyo ani and like what's the other studio that's kind of famous for this i think toei right it Even Toei's got its own problems, but uh, Toei has problems as well. But I mean, I, I heard that they are trying to be better. But like, the problem is that how much can these changes like improve things if they are still, you know, working to the intrinsically broken model yeah. of how anime money? Like, is Kyoani kind of exception only because they kind of got lucky enough to like make these like extremely well, popular uh, and like yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, Kyo I had the luck of starting out with a great budget because they made a lot of hits early in their career, yeah. and this this has allowed them to, I think, implement a certain degree of measures that allows them to sort of counteract the toxic elements of the anime industry, yeah. like having longer development times for their anime, like Kyoani has mostly finished their anime by the time they start airing. And this is not the case for many other studios. And I think, but don't quote me on this, but I think Kyoani also has more actual fixed employees than other anime studios, which mostly work using freelancers. Right. Yeah. So let me just add to that point. This is something we've talked about many times, but basically since maybe about 2015, Kiyoani's only done like one TV series a year and then like two movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have actually reduced the amount of like animated content they're putting out. And I, you know, it seems for them, the movies have been maybe, maybe that's a more successful return on investment on uh, what they're, you know, in terms of money they're making per, you know, Compared to you know, substantially less putting into footage it. than a TV show, yeah. even, even if it's like higher frames and more quality, like you know, yeah, more complex. It's so they, still like so they have actually and, and that and that and the, and it's been long enough where I don't think that's a fluke. I mean, I think that's their plan now. Is you know right. they do like you know one one TV series and like two movies basically for you know the the past uh, now going on four years. So yeah. Um, I- but, the th- but, but as we pointed out, you know, they got themselves into a position where they had the flexibility to do that. And I don't know if every other anime studio is going to be in that. Yeah, that, that's what I want to get into is this is kind of like the – like every talks, every talks about like Nintendo or Valve to use, you know, games comparisons. 
you know, Valve from like 10 years ago at this point, where they're like, oh, how come more game studios can't be like Valve or Nintendo? Because they don't have the fucking war chest of Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't know if the word privilege is the right term here, but like they have the privilege to take that long that frankly, most game studios don't. And I have a feeling that applies to anime as well. Like most anime studios don't have the privilege of spending a year or two developing one series. You know, I mean... The the vibe I get, frankly, for most anime studios is that they are constantly on the verge of <laughs> wildly spinning out of control and exploding at any moment, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. I guess it's like, I, I guess that's the thing, right? Is like, I think the KyoAni model of like self-sustainability is admirable, even if I think it does result in products that, you know, frankly, I don't think are very interesting, but I don't know how many other anime studios can realistically achieve that, which is why I say that the change needs to happen at the very top. And the, the business model needs to change because I feel like the culture changing is only going to be inevitably struggling against the tide. Yeah. Yeah. I have, well, uh, uh, I also saw some articles I didn't include this week about uh, streaming revenue from Japan rising pretty dramatically over the past year too. So I hope so. I mean, I hope that changes. Yeah. Maybe as we adjust further away from, you know, Blu-ray sales and other Mm. means of revenue, but, or or not even Blu-ray sales, but Blu-rays that cost like $50 for three episodes. Yes. That kind of, it's merchandising sales. It's always been merchandising sales. Yeah. Like like we've always talked about the, uh, yeah. Like we've always talked about the absurdity of like, you know, oh, buy the Gurren Lagan or Fate Zero complete BD set for like three hundred dollars. It's you know, it it's uh, I feel Fucking like absurd. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. No, if any Western television production attempted to sell their Blu-ray for that much, they would be eviscerated. They would be laughed out the door. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just again, I feel like we could. I almost feel like I, I kind of not because I don't think this is a good topic. I almost wanted to say we shouldn't put this topic in the podcast because I feel like this topic could easily be its own 90 minute podcast. But, <laughs> we did yeah. just, just spend like, like 20 minutes on it. Yeah. Like there's just so many like aspects to it that I feel like make it such a complex and difficult uh, uh, situation to, yeah. to kind of discuss. Yeah. I mean the, the, the main solutions of making less anime or I've also heard making shorter anime. Um, I mean, would that help? Probably, but it's more, it's certainly more complicated than that, I think. Yeah. So you're uh, saying the future is in hentai shorts. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Those are very, uh, very profitable. But uh, Well, uh, speaking of uh, the potential of studios just doing the things that made them successful over and over again. Okay, Thank yeah. you, Euro. <sighs> Yes, thank you. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to mention, and this wasn't a huge news story, but uh, somebody had asked uh, one of the main producers at PA Works what they wanted to do, and he mentioned he wanted to do a new project with June Maeda. And no thanks. Uh, Unfortunately, the man in question has been fired immediately. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. So, if if anybody's not familiar with June Maeda, he's a writer from. The key key visual novel studio. He's responsible for visual novels like Canon, Air, and Clonod, which like define that certain a certain era of anime in the early to mid two thousands. I think yes, the but, early two uh, thousands. Fucking just <laughs> yeah. And so he he later on 
went to went on to work with PA work specifically on um, Angel Beats that which was an original project and also most recently uh, Charlotte. Which, which was, was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I not, uh, not good. Um, mm. So the thing I'm going to say real quick is not to say that this isn't a noteworthy like talking point, but I feel like just saying I would like to work. I would like to work with so and so doesn't really mean anything until we hear about an anime that's actually involving well, them. Here, you know, like here's, a, here's why I'm bringing because it you always up. hear in news about like oh you know. Uh, wants to make a video game. Right, right. Or from software says it would love to make another armored core. Like it, you know. Well, yeah. I feel like until we actually hear an announcement, this is just some dude just kind of mouthing off. Like, hey, it would be cool if you know. Yeah. So I do have well, a reason. I mean, it wouldn't be cool, frankly, but <laughs> I do have a reason beyond that for bringing it up. Sure. So um, shortly after Charlotte came out, June Maeda was hospitalized with a rare heart disease. Oh, in which right, wait. Yeah. In which he, that's right. He actually suffered from nebulous anime disease. Are you fucking kidding me? Look, look. I mean, no, 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 no. Okay, before we before we got any further, I want to say that I don't wish any ill will upon Jun Maeda, and I hope I I wish him a speedy recovery. But are you fucking? Yeah, yeah. So are you kidding me? He actually contracted the nebulous anime heart condition. So he, uh, so in 2016, he was hospitalized with this rare heart condition and announced that he needs a heart transplant. Actually, oh my uh, god, fucking life imitates art. And uh, yes, again, not making light of it, but it is dramatic irony here. Um, and uh, he hasn't really been seen doing much since. Uh, he did work on Key's latest visual novel, but I'm not entirely clear if that was before or after he got sick, uh, which came out last year. But we haven't really heard much from him. I didn't hear any response on this. So I'm just saying I hope the guy's all right. Because when the when the when the guy from PA Works kind of makes just a nebulous comment of I'd like to work with Jun Maeda here in those circumstances, it makes me wonder if the guy's doing okay. But uh Yeah, yeah. I mean I think no matter how much anathema or you know, we might hold for certain anime creators, we don't Yeah. Unless your name is Mitsuo Fukuda, we don't hold uh that strong of we 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 wish the best for i i i hope he does get to make his new his project with pa works again but uh yeah he yeah I mean, look, angel beats was fine like, I, I liked it let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah I don't, I, oh whatever i i enjoyed it for the stupid thing it was. it was it was it was it was good i don't think it was the you know masterpiece some people thought it was oh no I not mean, a fucking uh, chance the thing the, uh, people always forget about angel beats is that it's like 80 percent dump slapstick comedy and like 20 yeah. percent tearjerker yeah <laughs> and that those comedy bits are you know sometimes they were sometimes pretty good so. i already got one shout out to uh angel beats earlier in the podcast we're still uh uh-huh. referencing it but uh yeah and I, and I do like some of his works to varying degrees i have long been a clanade defender but i do not want to get into that right now we got other we, stuff we should not about. get into what I still consider to this day kind of the dark ages of anime. So. Uh, what's next on okay. the list here? So yeah, let's, okay. um, I, I hope June Maid is all right, and let's move on. Uh, yeah, the uh, Saiyan Awards are coming up, I guess. Saiyan. Can you explain what those are? I uh, they're a like, big uh, award thing in Japan, similar to the Hugo Awards in the States. Uh, I guess not just the States, but uh, where... You know, it's a like science fiction fantasy award thing, and they've had 
media they've had like visual media and like comic categories for many years uh and i guess the uh, now the uh, nominees were announced earlier this month and what was nominated and so uh several things are on the anime list including well visual media list including sssss gridman hell yeah uh, cells at work hell dragon, yeah, sure, dragon, dragon pilot uh beatless how did beatless uh, i don't these are nominated uh, by like <laughs> attendees um oh so exactly the same problems then <laughs> yeah uh, the hugo's running pacific rim 2 uh, and plan with yes yeah <laughs> Also, that list uh, is just uh, n- just noting in the manga category also has a Satoshi Mizukami work. Uh, his one of his shorter, uh, which shorter one shots about robots. Uh, well, I think it's I think it's let's see here, Kyomu Oyuku, which I think it's like walking the void or something. Uh, oh, is that the one where like that's not from the anthology? That's it is, is that yeah. a new one? Oh, it is from the anthology. Yeah, that anthology was really solid. I. The I liked that a lot. Spaceship that's also a robot. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That one. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't know. Some like decent stuff up for uh, awards. Uh, yeah, some very not decent stuff up there yeah, too. But, like, if you look at the like old list of stuff that's won, it's all generally pretty good stuff. And Kimono also Kimono Kimono I mean, Friends. Yeah, and also Kimono Friends. Um, I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I know not a goddamn thing about that wait, show, other than Kimono it Friend seems like people win? like that show a lot. Kimono yeah. Friends win the, okay, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you said it was voted by, voted by fans right. or attendees, let's right? See, so of course it's going to be a popularity like, okay, contest. Let's see here. The past few years, I'm going to read the past few years here. Oh, of uh, all right. See here, 2014 Pacific Rim won. Hell yeah! 2015 Space Battleship Yamato 2199 the movie. Hell yeah! 2016 Girls Girls und Panzer the movie. Sure. 2017 Shin Godzilla. And, tw- right. and 2018 was Kimono Friends. That's uh, interesting. I, I, uh... Yeah, I mean, it, it varies, but on the whole, like yeah. some really good stuff yeah. is on this. I'm just I mean, happy look. that like these comics up for double. Like fucking. Yeah, that's cool. I, I mean, like. My perception here, like uh, in the West, because nobody fucking knows who these guy is here, <laughs> is that oh yeah, he's just like the fucking underdog, and nobody know nobody likes this shit, and nobody knows about I, him. Pretty cool. I mean, like, I think he's up for these award like awards like relatively often in Japan. So yeah. I just wonder if like he's always crazy. He's actually great, popular right? over there or something. The the vibe I've always gotten about Mizukami's uh, the reception to Mizukami's works in Japan is. I don't mean this as in, in fact I don't mean this as an insult at all. In fact, Iro, you are the only person here who will understand why why this is a compliment. But I, the the vibe I get from Mizukami is that he is a he is he is a mangaka's mangaka. <laughs> if that makes sense, he is a creator's creator in the same way that like mecha designers like the G self from G Rap, <laughs> but the mainstream audience doesn't really care for it. Is that they're you know the, the G self and Mizukami's works are like. They're charming and like slightly like not what's the word not incongruous but they're like I understand un- unorthodox Surreal. in ways that that make them not necessarily like the kind of things that are going to be uh the the big appeal the big mainstream stuff but mm-hmm. pe- people who care deeply about like the craft and the industry like really appreciate uh the work he does yeah. I yeah I 
Probably. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, his art's not that great, honestly. Uh, but, like, his storytelling is top-notch. Right. I mean, I, yes, yes, that is definitely... Planet With is the, the true inheritor of the Gynax Robot legacy. Yes. <laughs> Fight if me. Only it had, it, if only it had the Gynax Robot legacy budget. <laughs> <sighs> but, uh... But but yeah, some cool nominees there, you know. Uh, I, you know, I mean, for me, obviously, I'm going to be pulling for Gridman. But you know, if Planet With wins that, that would also be if, if be- look. I'll take that over a lot of the other things on that if, list. If, if Beatless <laughs> wins, and I'm assuming it's because it mentions uh, Red Juice was nominated for art category, so there must be some Red Juice fans in here. But uh, if Beatless wins, we're just shutting this thing down. I don't no, even no, remember no, what Beatless was. We're closing anime forever. Yes. Um, I genuinely don't even remember what Beatless was. Ex- yeah, exactly. It's it's like a robot girl, like vaguely cyberpunk one. It's the one they had to cancel like the last like three episodes. Yeah, then... <laughs> yeah there we go. That's oh, the great. actual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing Gridman's gonna win. That's my my. I hope so, yeah. I mean, look, they 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 picked some pretty good ones in the past. I mean, fuck. Pacific Rim, you know, Yamato 2199, those are, those are fair uh, some real solid I mean, pieces yeah, of like science other, other good stuff has won, including uh, Royal Space Force and oh, uh, nice. Cowboy Bebop. Sure, okay. You know, Dec- uh, Police Anti-Decker Ranger. I already did <laughs> right. transition, speaking of Royal Space Force. Okay. But you're probably going to wonder how in the world I'm going to get to that on the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I feel like I'm the only fucking person here who actually gives a shit about Royal Space Force. So, so and I don't see, the, I don't see the segue. All right. So I wanted to mention, I saw a headline that uh, made in Japan, made in being like young lady, not made in licensed the uh, 2016 anime comedy. This art club has a problem, which led me to ask the question, okay. who or what is made in Japan? Uh, I mean, they're uh, some licensing company, right? Yeah, I had never heard of them before, so I looked it up, and apparently they're the ones who have the licenses for the so a lot of the old shows that are on High Dive, and they they have like the streaming uh, and Blu-ray. Is that like not Sentai Filmworks? No, not not for the old shows. So like Sentai gets the new stuff, uh, but like so they're the ones that have like the Pat Labor and like Armored Trooper, right? Pop. But like when you go to the like Sentai yeah. booth at Anime Expo, they have all that shit. Like they have like Mad Bull 34 and Violence yeah, Jack, probably, and they're probably they're probably teamed up with them. But Royal Space Force was another. I should pick up that DVD next. Royal time. Space Force was another one they have, um, and so you know it seems that this this company has deemed uh, you know 2016 uh, modern classic uh, comedy. This art club has a problem, which I'm always talking about. Uh, worthy of adding to that collection of uh, you know all time classics. Huh, that, yeah, sure, fine, okay. I guess in that context, yeah, that is a very <laughs> interesting pick. I guess because like when you list all the other stuff they they license, like you kind of get like a, a theme, right? Like or kind of a a, yeah. a, a vibe for what they're and they, picking. They don't. But, I, uh, I was looking at their site. They don't. It's not like all robot shows, but they are pretty much all old. So I thought it was very. I mean, yeah, a lot of old, a lot of old, like a lot of notable old shows are robot shows. Yeah, I mean, that was what the was era, that? Right, like yeah, it was that era when like shows were not called mecha shows, just anime had robots in them. Very strange that if they were going to pick up a recent show out of all shows, that was that one. But I'm telling you that shows good yeah. people. Don't be fooled by uh-huh. the first episode. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I just thought Made in Japan was the Japanese equivalent of uh, Miss America. 
<laughs> that 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 does fit pretty well, actually. Um, anyway, uh, oh, Aqua, this is the one you threw on. the the Heisei, The Heisei era has ended. We're now in the Reiwa era. Well, it's and it was ending in a couple it's days. In a couple yeah. days. So uh, now's your last chance to get a sample of the Heisei, Heisei era air, like a can yes. of air. Heisei era. <laughs> so no. So so what is happening is that a Japanese company is like canning air on mass in order to sell it once the Reiwa era starts as Heisei era air from the good old days. For nine dollars. What, what is preventing you me know what from actually, doing that myself? Not being uh, a The fact that you didn't come up with this idea first. I mean, I don't know, man. You still got a couple days. If you start now, you <laughs> you, you should be able to get a pretty decent uh, stockpile. You know, if, uh, yeah. if, if you move quickly, how do we make airtight. So, cover, but yes. Do you know what I actually really love the most about this story? What's up? Is that this is the perfect explanation for this is the perfect explanation for in a piece of like dystopian fiction where where mankind has poisoned the earth and and, and mega corporations sell a, like sell clean purified air at a premium <laughs> space balls from the good this old is, this things. Is the, this is this is the perfect explanation for why and how the plucky heroes managed to un- uncover uh, an underground stockpile of of Heisei era air from before we before we poisoned the Their earth. Superpowers come from breathing that Heisei air, but it only lasts for five minutes. Exactly. Exactly. Heisei era air is people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess uh, we're going to condense down here. I, d- I did want to mention one yeah. more news thing. There was a lot of Persona 5 going on uh, as they're continuing to milk, as expected, milk that franchise. We did get the announcement as, of, uh, yes. well, we had Joker and Smash came out since last episode, uh, which we knew Correct. was coming. Still, still a little bit unbelievable, even though it's already happened. Didn't know that was but coming. Yes. We did know uh, Persona 5 R was coming, but we didn't have any details until this week. We saw the trailer. It's ex- pretty much exactly what you would expect. It's from yep. the... It's it's Fez slash the Golden. Yes. Uh, so there's going to be some new hey, characters. What, what if we gave Persona 5 its own Marie? Yes. Uh. Uh, I For the record, I have zero desire to play... I, I loved Persona 5. I have zero desire to play it again right now. Even with new I, content, but uh, if they so, have a save transfer function like Persona Three yeah. to Persona Three Fez, then I will gladly play that game again. But I will so not play was, fresh. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. Is I feel like, look, I I liked the gold. Well, I liked aspects of the golden, and I did. And Fez is the version of Persona Three that I played. But I feel like in 2019, in the era of like digital like games and services that we live in. I feel like Persona Five Royal, like Royal Royale, whatever it, that should be thirty dollar DLC, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like, or at least there should be an option for people who already own Persona Five mm-hmm. to like purchase the Royal upgrade that like transfer lets you do like a new game plus transfer and all that stuff. Like the idea of like, as Jell said, the idea of buying Persona Five Royal fresh and playing from a fresh like file. 
that doesn't sound unappealing. That appealing. Not sound interesting yeah, it, at it, all. No, it's this is an and incredibly like, antiquated business model. This is like releasing yeah. an expansion back in like 2019. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say it's even more antiquated in some ways because at least like you know, expansion packs were usually priced you know to reflect that. Reflect that. Yeah. You know, this is a sixty dollar product. You know, uh, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, like this is a very weird tangent to go on. I apologize, but you know, I've been I've been playing some Dragon's Dogma lately. Oh, yeah. The, the Switch discourse has has convinced me to try and play that game for the third time. Uh, but related to that is uh, Monster Hunter, uh, specifically Monster Hunter World. And the fan base is kind of very anxious right now. The, the, the Monster Hunter World fan base is kind of like sitting on pins and needles because... Capcom hasn't really confirmed one way or the other what form the next uh, Monster Hunter game is going to take. For those unfamiliar with Monster Hunter, usually what they do is they release, like, for example, Monster Hunter 4. And then they do Monster Hunter 4G or 4 Ultimate, which is like a re-release that is an entirely, you know, it's the same game, but with like new monsters and higher difficulties added. And it's usually just an entirely new game. There is no save transfer. There is no, like any of that stuff and and that was like barely tolerable in like 2012 in 2019 people are very concerned that oh god is capcom going to keep doing that even now like are they going to tell everybody who played two three four hundred hours of monster hunter world that uh hey i hope you're ready to do that yeah, all over again World was already different because they've been releasing regular new stuff into it right they have been releasing new DLC and new monsters, but the thing that the re-release usually adds is known as G-Rank. It is like a, you know, it's like a new new game plus 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 mode, essentially. Like they're raising the level Monst- cap, basically. Yeah, yeah. And in the past, that was only ever available in the re-releases. Um, so people are kind of concerned, oh god, what if, what if they don't offer that as DLC? What if that is an entirely new game? And... I feel like that and stuff like this, you know, Persona 5 Royal, it's like I don't know, man. It's like I don't I'm not saying western games or the way they do things is great. I don't I'm not saying oh Destiny or the Division 2 are how all games should be. But Division 2 is pretty solid. Just going to say that. Yeah, I I guess what I mean more is the content delivery yes. method. I I really would hope that I think Japanese games would kind of learn from their western counterparts in that regard. Yeah. And like, you know, Make these things big DLC updates instead of entirely new. I mean, if it's a uh, product, if it's a glimmer of hope, they have announced uh, Kingdom Hearts Three DLC instead of the traditional re-release that they right. have. Oh, good. That yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> That's true. Well, we've all seen how Square Enix handles their DLC plans with what happened to Final Fantasy oh. Fifteen. Final Fantasy Fifteen got a <laughs> lot of DLC, though. Yeah, yeah, but then, it did not even get the DLC that then, most people were excited then they, for. They cancel, <laughs> they cancel the highway like can, stuff. Yeah, like they didn't they like cancel the DLC for like the one and only like notable female character in that game. For the, they canceled the, both DLCs for both of the only two notable female oh, characters. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. And of course, the one they kept around was like the male character, right? The so, hot villain man. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I do have to give Square con- uh, credit here. They did support that game pretty well and for a very long True. time. It is sad that it ended on such a blemish, but they did support that game significantly. One more uh, thing on Persona: we also got surprise news. If we're if 
there's certainly no better way for milking your franchise than uh, teaming up with the <laughs> Dynasty Warriors people and uh, hell yeah, a, uh, beat them up uh, Dynasty Warriors game for Persona, which is very weird. But I guess you can literally turn anything into a Dynasty Warriors game. Hell so they yeah. did announce Persona Five yeah, Scramble, sure. the Phantom Strikers for Whatever. PS4 and Switch. So again, getting everything they can out of those assets. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm mostly joking. I think this is kind of a. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not going to get. In, I'm not going to get into the whole like. Oh, I'm outraged that they didn't port Persona Five to the Switch. But it's more like this is the version of Persona Five you give to the Switch. Yeah, <laughs> it seems uh, yeah. kind of like like I don't know, man. Like Persona Five was released on the PS3. I think a Switch could handle it. Yeah, maybe like, they will. Eventually. I feel like I don't know. Maybe they'll get R eventually. But you know, yeah. it it seems they're trying to get. Every know. last dollar. Uh, a Musou spinoff is... Uh, Get every last dollar out of those... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like Persona 4, we are in the part of the Persona 5 lifespan yeah. where it is time to bring out all of these spinoffs. Yeah. It's true. Do we have to skip the last thing on this list, <laughs> No, let's let's do this all real right. quick. Let's do this real Go quick. Go ahead, Iro. Because it involves a game I care about, so... Uh, uh, Famitsu had a poll recently about the... Famitsu, like, major Japanese gaming magazine, had a poll recently about the, the best games of the Heisei era, because it's coming to a close. Number one, Chrono Trigger. Yeah, it's a good choice. From Solid. 1995's Chrono Trigger. Yeah, and best number Best game two. of the past 30 years, baby. Not yeah. shocking at all. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, is a great fucking game. Like, it's let's let's not get it twisted here. Frog's theme is <laughs> uh, is the goat, is the greatest of all time. Um, there is a fantastic remix of Frog's theme with uh, Kanye's '99 Problems. <laughs> it's fantastic. '99 <laughs> Problems is by Jay Z. Oh, should I say cut? Wow, that's embarrassing. As the hip hop guy, I wow, fucking stream me up. Holy shit, I can't believe I just said that. Not only Jay Z, Jay Z, but you invoked Kanye's name in 2019. But, uh... Hey, I'm not the one. I am not the one who fucking said Post Malone's name out loud in a podcast. Yeah, but I don't that fucking know anything about that shit, so I get a free pass. You cursed us all, hero. Anyway. But, uh... Uh... What were the other, what were the other uh, top three? Because it would, I, think, I know. I think I believe number two and number three were Near Automata and uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Which, I mean, look, I, I do agree. A little bit of a side eye listening to two games that came out like, you know, less than like two, three years ago, but. I can't. Near Automata is a really good game, that. guys. Uh, Breath of the Wild, I, I'm fine with it. Um, I personally think we could probably have picked something better there but uh i mean i think the obvious pick would have been like ocarina of time right like if you're going to talk about I, the whole era right? i don't know it w- ocarina of time was number six i'm not i don't want to go down through the whole list i think that i will say number four was final fantasy 7 and number five was okami yeah, the final fantasy Wait, final fantasy six? final fantasy choices really pissed me off <sighs> yeah Wait, did six not make the list nope. six isn't what the list. uh seven and ten you- i think were the highest ones right Oh, this. Yeah. That, yeah. Once we got past the top three, I was not happy with this list. But yeah, uh, that's why. Let's not talk about yeah. it. Um, Man, fuck this list. Fuck this list. Number one, baby. Um, the, the, the Breath of the Wild Ocarina of Time thing gets into the debate of are you counting more like impact or as it presently constituted, which is a better game, which I think Breath of the Wild is a better game. 
I mean, yes, of course. Yeah. Nobody's going to deny We're talking that. Just general is impact. it though? <laughs> is it though? Uh, yes. I would yes. gladly play Breath of the Wild over Ocarina of Time in 2019. As... Yeah, fucking any day of the week. Like, sorry. Uh, um, Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time was uh, is, a, is a great game, and it was an amazing game in its time. Completely groundbreaking. I don't think it is aged quite as well as some of the later. But Zelda you know, stuff. in Ocarina of Time, when you fight a dude, it actually serves a purpose, and you can't just walk <laughs> past the dude and not lose your weapon in the process. I'm not a huge fan of Breath of the Wild. I'm actually not even like a huge fan of Zelda in general, and I'm not, I, I, I have a lot of problems with Breath of the Wild too. That's why I don't think it should be at number two. Um, I'm just saying, if I if you so the the real the real bullshit here is why Zeno Gears is on the list. Yeah, yeah, no, Zeno Gears made the list. I do not want to get into the rest of this list because we we do. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Are you telling me people in Japan more highly revere fucking Zeno Gears than Final Fantasy VI? Yeah, let's uh, uh let's move. Anyway, so. <laughs> That's uh, that's going to do it for the news stories. Um, Chrono Trigger number one, baby. Chrono Trigger, yes, I'm perfectly fine with that, and nor am I surprised. Yes, um, uh, we 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 offer our congratulations to uh, Frog and Robo <laughs> for this achievement. Um, so let's move along. I mentioned I wanted to shout out uh, shows that were turning ten in the spring 2019 season. So these are shows that first debuted in spring 2009. Which is probably about the time I think many of us were getting into watching anime currently airing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the first yep. season I watched of anime as it aired in Japan. Same here. Yeah. So, which I is kind of mind blowing to me because it includes some anime that in my brain feel like they did not air that long ago, but. Yep. <laughs> um, Talking about this shit's all, all shit's all whole. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, obviously, just at ten years in my brain, these anime aired like I don't know five years ago or something. Um, yeah, so I thought it'd be which is be an interesting oh thing to do since from from like two thousand nine on. I feel like we all have pretty extensive knowledge of anime that has been out because we were you know hanging out in the blogs and writing about it and stuff like that. So I feel like we're going to be familiar with like most of the stuff as we're you know creeping up as we're getting older here so um so i don't want to spend too much time on each show just give them a a bit of a shout out uh for better or worse uh so i'm glad you included that part yes so just saying they were notable we can debate whether they were good or not but the notable releases from spring 2009 uh the biggest one obviously full metal alchemist brotherhood uh began airing uh, ten years ago, I still have not oh, watched gee, it. If you talk to all the Western people who are not into anime. You'd think that aired last week. Yes, yes, here <laughs> we know. We know that you are forced to interact with a lot of normies who don't <laughs> shut up about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. But look, as somebody who doesn't no. I, look, as somebody who is not forced to talk to people who don't <laughs> shut up about that show, I like that anime. Yeah, sure. it was good. Like it, was, it was like Bones did a great job with that adaptation. Yep. Still have not watched it. Uh, one of the it is a fine shonen series. One of the larger holes in just my general anime knowledge, I suppose. Although I've certainly picked up a lot just out of osmosis over the years, as you do with any of these big titles. Uh-huh. Um, so that's a good one. We also had uh, the first season of K-Own debuted. Oh, oh yeah. boy! 
<laughs> the beginning of the end. Uh, I did. I did watch that later on in my anime career. Yeah. I watched the first season of K-On. I feel like everybody's kind of forgotten about K-On a little bit. You don't really ever hear anybody talk. Uh, about you it. know, and I'm I mean, okay with that. Yeah, I I feel like it's you know I mean you know for as much as I like to you know give shit to K-On, like realistically K-On is just you know like like Haruhi you know it is just one of those shows that was like fucking right place right time monstrously huge at the time and uh you know that time has passed it's had its time in the sun but i still think it very well holds up if you're looking for an anime comedy it is um is the manga still going no no hmm? that no, no 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 uh, there's actually okay. a new i think there's like a new manga now like the that next the next generation kind of thing. Last, sure why not didn't last long either the manga is terrible like this is one of the first yeah. this is one of the first examples of of kiwani taking just pure trash and turning it into something pretty decent um and i think if you're for i think it's still like genre defining you may not like the genre yes. yeah yeah but no, 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 no. Like I still think it is like best in class for the the for what it's doing. Um or one of the best, even to this day. So um like eighty percent of anime airing nowadays is indebted to K on. You gotta give it credit for that. Or, uh, <laughs> yes. That is true. Yes. I cannot that's, deny that. Still some of the still some of the, uh, so. the best EDs. I literally only kept watching it because of the the the, the, the don't say lazy ending. I was yeah. like well, uh, speaking of shows that were almost entirely carried by their god-tier <laughs> opening and ending sequences, hey. let's get into the next one on this list. <laughs> All right, yep. So next one on the list was uh, Eden of the East, another one I never got around to watching. Yeah, I watched this. I, oh, as I much, despite Oasis. what I just said, <laughs> I fucking, like, I have a real soft spot for Eden of the East. Yeah. Like, there's a there's like a weird sensibility to its storytelling that, like, I actually really enjoyed yeah. at the time. Eden of the and, East was uh, a good show. The only problem is it never fully lived up to its premise. Never fully uh, lived up to its potential. Sort of went on a lot of weird sideways, and especially talking about like the ending and those movies. But yeah, so I the thing I was going to say, the, the problem with, I was gonna say, the problem with Eden of the East, Eden of the East's biggest problem is the way it decided to end, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really really shot itself in the foot multiple times there. Yeah, I just like remember, they had multiple yeah. chances to not fuck it up, it and they somehow really, fucked it up each time. It never really, like, lives up to the potential of, like, this cool premise of, like, an, a selected number of people are given an amount of money to save the country. Because, like, it spends a lot of times on, like, on, like, the entire runtime of that actual anime is, like, a bunch of arcs where they like compete with one particular other competitor instead of all of the yeah. competitors coming together and having like their big show off, and that's what I say. Like it never really lives up to its, I mean, to its potential. I think I, I think that is why. Like ten years later, to be frank, as you know, despite saying I have a soft spot for that show, its legacy is again its god tier opening and ending sequences, <laughs> the cool fucking phone. And the white scribble dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I gotta say it is one of the like it is it was an anime the kind of which we don't often see. Like this was like a genuine like techno thriller kind of thing, and that's not something oh, yeah, no, you totally. see it, in anime a lot. Yeah, well, no, it's well. Like usually 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There we go. There we go. That is the. Kind of roll our eyes when those types of shows pop up because they're always like so like too serious or like whatever and just. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, psychopath yeah. really popular. Yeah. Uh, Looks yeah. a camera. I would put Psychopaths on like the same level as Eden of the East. Uh, so yes, yes. In terms of great, great uh, premise, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Fairly uh, interesting execution, yeah. And then just completely goes off the rails at the end. Highlands, baby. I, I will. Oh my god, that acquiesce to that statement. All right. Uh, let's uh, shout out to also. Ah, uh, uh, here we go. Here we go. Basara, which we have shouted out previously when that high school thing came out a couple. Weeks yeah, ago. dog. But this is this is the season in two thousand nine where uh, the first season debuted. So once more, yeah, put your guns on, your baby. Guns on. Uh, oh man, sure. Yeah, that was like, a super fun show. Um, yeah, like here's the thing. Realistically, of the shows we've listed so far, Sengoku Basar is probably like maybe like vaguely the worst out of all of these I would shows. Say it's, but also like, sorry, yes, I would say ahead. on paper it is the worst but also yes in execution like <laughs> the, the, the fun factor I feel like, is probably the highest yes yeah. yes like Sengoku Basura is definitely one of those shows where like I'm not going to try like, be like oh it had important historical context but I feel like Iro and Aqua since you guys mentioned like you know this was around the time when you first started following anime as it aired and I think this is true for a lot of people mm-hmm. you know around you know our age I think Sengoku Basara was probably a, a lot of people's first exposure to, like, that specific brand of, like, anime over-the-top, right, like, right. dumbassery. You know, just, like, yeah. dudes riding horses uphill, like, up, 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 like, castle walls. Yeah. Or, like, a dude, like, fucking wielding six swords, you know, between his fingers. <laughs> or, like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the highly accurate historical... You know, a depiction of a battle involving um, uh, 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 Tokugawa's uh, most loyal retainer, a literal uh, samurai Gundam. <laughs> it, it just yeah, right. Uh, yes, yes. The the thing I'll actually mention about it real quick is uh, maybe one of the first soundtracks to put uh, one Hiroyuki Sawano on the map. Oh, yeah, I was just about uh, to say he, that uh, was Sawano, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, not one of his first scores, but it was one of his first scores that where he begins to explore the the uh, the uh, the I, the musical identity he is now. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, song, uh, and then <laughs> he yes. would go on to uh, yes, copy for the next, uh, ten years. Yes, uh, but uh, but as a result, it really did give uh, Sengoku Basara this very like brash, outlandish, very. Yeah, very unique personality. So there we go. That that might be the most lasting aspect of the legacy of this particular season of anime of the spring season <laughs> 2009. The rise of That time when Sawana wrote his one song. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, as somebody who, you know, has a, has a soft spot, as someone who, who considers Sawano's soundtracks something of a guilty pleasure... I cannot deny these allegations. Well, speaking of shows about cute girls that nobody seems to remember anymore, do you guys remember Saki? 
Oh, Saki is no, still dude, hella popular, popular man. Saki is still hella popular. I was going to say, isn't that, like, still huge, Japan? It, it has, like, a live-action series. It has, like, three manga spin-offs going on. It has, like, movies. That's about, sh- about Shogi, right? Yeah, Saki is still pretty big. Maybe it's just the English-speaking fandom, then, that I'd never... Is it never about Shogi or is it about Majong? And I was about to say, like, Saki was maybe, like, the first of those cute girls doing cute things anime with, like, massive casts to take off. But then I remembered that K-On aired in this season. Yeah, right, I mean, but, I have to say. Uh, so, and K- well, K-On only has four characters, but the, yeah. the That well, is five. true, because Saki was, like, the the first, like, if, if Saki aired today, it would have been a gotcha game. Yeah, because it has, like, uh, this, this massive cast of, like, interchangeable cute girls with, with, with their quirks. And they're all yeah. super gay. It would be perfect. Uh, oh my god, it would be a gotcha game. It would be like a shogi gotcha game. How does this not exist yet? Or Mahjong, right? They play Mahjong. Is Yeah, Mahjong. Sorry. Yeah, Mahjong. Yeah, it was certainly a big deal at the time. Maybe it does, and we don't know it. I'm going to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's let's uh, fire up a production committee and get that going if it doesn't exist already. But, uh, all right. So um, that's pretty much it for the shows we wanted to shout out. And I think we'll maybe do that again next season. See what uh, happened in summer 2009. That should be fun. But uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's move along to talk about the the couple of shows that uh, we actually are watching. Uh, (laughs) We thought we wouldn't be able to fill a podcast. Uh, Yeah. I probably should have known better because we're already at 120 here. And uh, And never underestimate the ability to, uh, to completely derail ourselves with a tangent. I did want to just, that's the thing we haven't really derailed ourselves that much. We've mostly stayed on. (laughs) Yeah. um, So the the meaning of the word, I I did just want to throw out the general question of, is this season legitimately like? Is there just not a lot of interesting shows this season, or are we just like getting old and time is passing us by here? Like both, both. Nah, I mean, I both. Yes, yes, and no. I think I feel like I don't know. I think this this season generally is just not that interesting. Oh, I mean, I'm watching a lot of shows. I just am not like hella into any one of them. Well, right. it, but what I'm saying is like. I don't think it's us getting old because we were literally talking about seasons with stuff, you know, you know, with like Gridman and Lupin and whatever else made our top 10 of 2018 yeah. list, you know? Well, like, we had like six or seven shows to talk about last season. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think but, it really uh, depends on I, I, your I mean, taste, you know? Yeah, sure. But I, I, the I thing mean, I'm saying is like, I think we all talked about I, like how... Yes, I'm just saying ahead, that because you and I have very different tastes and you have like, you say, oh, there was a lot of great stuff last year, whereas I had the feeling there was not a lot of great stuff last year. So I think it's just a matter of perception and that now we just have this, it happens to be a season where a lot of ours have this idea that like, there's not a lot of great stuff because there's just not enough in that like intersection, I don't know. I mean, yeah. sure, fine. You beat me to the punch because, yes, I was going to say 2018. I feel like we were all talking about, or most of us were talking about how that was one of the strongest years in anime we'd seen in a while. But, uh, you know, I mean, hell, it was one of the strongest. I, I thought it was because, hell, <laughs> my favorite anime didn't even make number one. It was something you guys liked. Well, what's, so I thought well, that would have been. Uh, this season? But, uh, 
you know, I feel like, because here's the thing, I'm not even saying this is a weak season because it doesn't have like a stylish action spectacle. I feel like this is a weak season because well, you know what? You, we don't you, even fairy gone, not stylish or actually enough for you. <laughs> uh, oh boy, that show was uh, Demon Slayer, not stylish or actually enough for you. Oh my dude, Demon Slayer is stylish. <laughs> we can get into that. But the only problem is it is only stylish. You guys, so you guys but, are still uh, watching Fairy Gone and Demon Slayer, right? Like, yeah, nominally, yes. yeah, nominally is the right, yeah. word, right word to use there. Um, uh, look, here's the thing. Like, if we want to get into real quick, like you know, with Demon Slayer, this is not a, this is, it's not an anime that deserves a, a whole segment, but. UFO, t- UFO Table does good work. Yeah. That is a supremely good-looking anime. They are putting their like, power behind something that maybe doesn't quite deserve that. Yeah. Like, also, like basically what UFO really- Table have been doing for the last 10 years. Exactly. Ouch. Wow. Exactly. Damn. Fucking no. Shots you're fired at the venerable... What? You, you, you're not going to defend the venerable fate no. franchise? Well, <laughs> the best, the best <laughs> UFO Table fate things... In order, our number one, Fate Zero. Number two, today's menu for the Emma family. Oh, not even. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. What about a garden? No, they did not. That was more than ten years ago. Okay, but uh, but the thing, I guess, the thing I will say is like, probably. uh, Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Oh God, it's been so long. Release girls' (laughs) work, um, you cowards. Uh, the thing I was gonna say is like. That show looks good. Like, not even just from, like, a pure, like, oh, they they, they put a lot of budget, but, like, style-wise, it's a slick-looking show. Like, they use, like, these really, like, like, here, okay, sorry, art tangent coming in, but they use line weight in a really stylish, cool way. And, like, for those unfamiliar, line weight is basically, like, the very the variation in line thickness in, in an illustration, in a frame. So, like, you'll use thinner lines and thicker lines on on a drawing to emphasize certain aspects of it. And uh, Demon Slayer does this in a really good way. It looks, like, really sharp, really bold, in, like, a really enjoyable way. And finally, in episode four, they finally busted out, <laughs> like, the sick-ass, like, Okami slash the world's end with you style, like, bold, right. poppy, like, like the, graffiti-esque, the like, main elemental effects. The main character has, like, water attacks, and so... When he throws the water power on his sword, it creates the like ukiyo-e wave effect. Yeah, uh, but it, but it's like ukiyo-e, but like through like the lens of like, but flat, like, kind of like like flat yeah, shading, like, pop graphic graphic design yeah, cool aesthetic. Looking. And is this an yeah. anime original thing, or is that also in the manga? No, it's, it's no. based off a shonen jump manga, which tells you everything. No, I mean that 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 effect like is oh. it. Oh. It's in the manga. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Which, like, because when yeah, I see when I see that anime, I think like that doesn't fit at all. Like I'm trying to imagine what the thing G is describing looks like, and I just can't gel that with like the extremely generic Sengoku era look right. of that yeah, show. Uh, like you can pull up the opening after the podcast. Yeah. Yes, yes. The opening has a great as as me and Eero said last time, we watched the first episode, and I think we were both like I don't know if I want to keep watching this. <laughs> and then they show the OP at the end of the episode. And, <laughs> and we were there's like, like a 10, 20 segments yeah, sequence where they bust out these cool-ass element effects. And I was like, oh, we should probably watch more of this. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it's just cool. It looks cool. It's framed well. And the problem, though, is it's an adaptation of a weekly Shonen Jump manga. 
and not necessarily a good one like yeah, My Hero like Academia or The Promised like Neverland. Just a middling Shonen Jump battle manga and all the like writing foibles that implies. The- yeah. But Iroh, it, get, know, like, it only gets good after 80 chapters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fucking read 80 chapters. <laughs> it doesn't get that much better. Yeah, I mean, but, it has to be doing I mean, something right, or you have too much yeah, free time. <laughs> I I guess that's a thing, right? Is like, and I think that's kind of why we talk about like this season in the way we do. Because as much as I love how it looks, I don't think this is a show I'd really be keeping with, keeping up with if if this was a season with stuff like Lupin Part Five yeah. or Megalo Box or what yeah. have you. Like, you know, but in a season like this, where we are kind of like you know, scrounging for scraps here. It's something that somehow manages to stay in the yeah. rotation. Yeah, I get where I get where you're coming from. It's just, I think it's a matter of perception. It's just like, for me, this feels, it's just like a bit of a breath of fresh air because I have like two shows I really look forward to actually watching, like as soon as they come and then, out. Like, right, and then nothing else to yeah. like sap at your attention. Yeah, and right. whereas mo- usually anime is just like, all right, I guess that is out. Oh, great. And, now I have to watch this show with Sig and Iro again. Yeah. No, not, that I, like it. not that I don't enjoy it, but. <laughs> oh, it feels don't a, fucking act like you are. It feels a bit <laughs> less. You act like you're too fucking good for, for Kotobuchi. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we watch it every week, and we had a ball of a time. Top of point, uh, not even about just the, having different tastes, but also just like what we're used to. So for Aqua, like having two shows to watch is a lot more than might, he might usually yeah. watch. Whereas, you know, for me, I'm used to having like five or six shows I'm watching and this season I'm only yeah. watching two. And it, that's, that's a big drop for me. So, you know, that's, everything's relative. Everything's relative I, suppose, I guess, but. you know, yeah, I guess what I mean at the end of the day is I don't feel like we have that intersection. Cause I feel like, you know, I think, I think last year was maybe the first year in a while where we were all roughly like, in agreement. What? <laughs> no, I think I think he's trying to you say the opposite. Of you. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say 2018 was the first year in a while where our num- where things were somewhat contentious about like uh, what is the obvious like highlight of the year. Whereas like previous years, we had stuff like Made in Abyss, we had stuff like Erased. Um, I feel like I feel like that is kind well, of the kind of show I feel like we are still looking for in 2019 is like you know, that show that everybody is like... Only a season and a half in. So. I mean, it should be... Right. I, guess it's just like, I feel like... I mean, it should be... Sorry, the, not yes, hot, but great, I mean, that's... Yes, you know, the great... The, the great the great con of anime that will unite the warring tribes, yeah. you know? I mean, I'd be willing it, to like, make a case for Carol and Tuesday, because that's just like a show I'd, I'd recommend to yeah, anyone. Speaking, speaking of Carol and Tuesday, we really need to keep this podcast moving. All right, fine. Yes, let's yes. get into it. So... Let's talk about Carol and Tuesday, uh, specifically uh, episodes two and three, since we first talked about it. Uh, so in uh, episode two, we saw the, uh, the girls. Mm. So let me let me start off with this. So like the we kind of know that they're going to get famous at some point, right? Because literally every episode starts with the narrator saying, and it was known as the legendary yes. whatever moment of, you know, so we, there's a certain sense of inevitability here, right? And that's kind of where we start seeing yeah. the groundwork getting laid in episodes two or three. Yeah. Where they have their little, uh, they, they break into a concert hall to play their song on a real piano. And 
a real space piano. Yeah, yeah. That piano is wild, <laughs> dog. That was the thing that stuck out the most, the most to me in these episodes. Like, yo, that piano is so fucking extra. Uh, the, the creepy tech guy decides to film it and post it on Instagram without their permission. And uh, I can't hate that tech guy. It looks like he builds Gunpla. So. <laughs> yes, he had some pretty nice looking robots in his uh, his room there at home or whatever. But uh, and that kind of goes sort of a little bit viral, I guess. And uh, yeah, yeah, that seems to be also vibe, right? uh, managed to track them down very quickly with uh, that facial recognition software, which is kind of creepy. Well, you know, I think it's more <clears> that you that's know, future baby. We're, we already talk in fucking 2019 about how people should be careful, careful about tagging their location in a photo. Yeah. You know, fucking in 2050 or whatever this takes place in, you know, Carol and Tuesday, you know, look, they're, they're, they're nice girls, but I think it was maybe somewhat of a bad mood to tag your location when taking a photo of yourself in your own home. Yeah. I feel like that's just yeah, on your completely, that's for your trouble. completely unaltered since 2019 Instagram account. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, it's like twenty five hundred. I mean, that, no, that's I, the thing. I get the idea that the chronology of the show is not what we think it is. It. Fe- I get the feeling right. that I mean, the implication show, is that like it's not actually important to the thing. Yeah, but I get the feeling right. the really show is matter, set in like twenty twenty five or something, and that it's actually like in an alternate right. time where we migrated to Mars fifty years ago. I mean, because they reference like I mean, a lot of. Fucking- like the manager guy mentioned, like, oh, I worked with Justin Bieber, who's like a contemporary pop star, and this guy looks like he's right, in his fifties like, or something. So, yeah, I, it's like, it's it's it, yes, that aspect of it is definitely the weird part where it's like they're motherfucking dropping names like Cindy Lopner and Justin Bieber as if these are names that should be like relevant in the time period this anime yeah. takes place in, and. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's really weird that I mean, Carol and Tuesday know who Cindy Lauper is, but they don't know who like Justin they don't Bieber know Justin is. Bieber, yeah. which is like, yeah, right. it's. I mean, it's like I was saying, right? That the setting is basically set dressing for the plot yeah. in this show, but they like, use it for a lot of like super fun world building aspects. Yeah. I just love the the, the like yeah. touch screen menu tables. It makes for really fun visual stuff, and, my, and, and yeah, my I assume moment, it's meant meant to. Yeah, my favorite moment in episode two is when uh, Tuesday is hired as like a professional griever, which is like <laughs> oh, this kind man, of I love insane that. dystopian so, thing that you could totally see yeah, happening. Dude. Dude, that's so cyberpunk. Yeah. I fucking love it. Like that's the right. most cyberpunk I mean, fucking thing right there. While it is incongruous in certain ways, like it's there to highlight the like soullessness yeah. of yeah. whatever yeah. versus yeah. the true heart that the girls have. Right. Yeah. right. So like the thing I kinda wanna get into is like I'm I, I am genuinely enjoying the show. I am genuinely like looking forward to it every week. It's it's definitely the thing I would call the most like unanimously decent show of the season. Here's the thing where I feel like I, I, I am not sure I am settled on yet whether this is intentional or not, or this is just a preference thing. But for all the musical talent that is attached to this show, I feel like so far the music isn't really that noteworthy oh. yet. Like and are you talking? I think I think Carol Tuesdays. Are you what? Are, are, you, so like, yeah, think, are you talking score or soundtrack or both? I kind of both. Yeah. Like I think Carol Tuesday's songs are good. I like their songs, but they're you know I mean they're they're good in that very like very kind of I mean kind of standard pop yeah. way. 
but like the rest of the music in that show like i can't tell if like it's, it's intentionally not that good because it's like oh like all the other music in this show is being created by those you know those fake ai you know musicians or if the music is actually just genuinely like outside of that context still just not the op i mean the thing is like and- yeah, the OP and ED, I, I think I think they're really good. They're really good pop songs. I've heard them, I've, I've I've had them stuck in my head all week, and I've only heard them three times, which is an incredibly like rare thing for me. Sure, and yeah. then I, and that's why I'm willing to 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 uh, concede that this might just be a preference yeah. thing because like as for the for me like you know sorry no, go as ahead. for the music that's actually in the show like I've been doing some research because the website offers like credits for all of the songs that show up in the show which is pretty fun. Yeah. Because of course I'm super interested in reading which of like, which of these musicians made these songs. Um, I think like Ertigan's song, like the DJ guy that shows, like, I think that's pretty clearly supposed to be like super generic EDM to show off. Right. Like Like, that's like, when I hear tracks like that, I'm like, is that intentionally? Yeah. Not considering his his character. I think. Yes. I mean, they got Taku Takahashi to do that. Who's like the guy who did um, the Pantheon stocking soundtrack with, Right, but that's the thing is that that dude that that like Taka Takahashi is really yeah. good. So like, are they telling him to intentionally make like a generic, not very good track? I, I get the feeling that for Erdogan, it, like, it, it definitely is the case. And, that, and I guess what I'm thinking is like, is, it, is there going to be like a halfway point where all of a sudden, like, they lift the curtain and there's actually all of these really amazing songs that they're saving for like the back half when all of these musicians yeah. playing the long you know, game discover their true selves basically yeah, yeah. i do wonder because and there's also like because I've, i think carol and tuesday's song like the one they actually show uh play in the in the game yeah are pretty good like the the the, the laundry song and the, the yeah I, I like song. i like their songs which is why i wonder if everybody else's songs are made to be intentionally not yeah, that interesting yeah. or again if this is just a preference thing because like you know, I'm more of a hip hop mm-hmm. guy, so like for me, that's why something like Samurai Champloo resonates so much with yeah. me. You know, like I really like jazz and blues. That's why Bebop's soundtrack resonated so well with me. You know, I'm not as into the kind of stuff that Space Dandy was doing musically, but I really dug it in the context of the mm-hmm. show. And I wonder if that's because those are just like those are like musical styles. I am more like I I am just more uh, receptive to yeah. versus like you know, I mean. I, Look, I, 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 I'm not saying I'm too good for pop. I got, I got, I got plenty of pop tracks on my, on my Spotify. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not really the genre that speaks to me. So when I hear the stuff in Carol, I, I Tuesday, think they probably want to have specifically Carol and Tuesday making music that is kind of more singer songwriter ish because it's yeah, yeah, contrast to the you know the 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 computer generated stuff. Um, and but the thing is. When you start, when you are, this is always the risk you take when you make a show about like yes. these yeah. musicians who are changing the world with their music. Like you actually have to have, you, have to you know, make music that will convince people that this is like an actual hit. That's like the biggest right. risk I think, you take I think that's, with this kind of show. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is like if if this show like ends at the culmination of Carol Tuesday's efforts to create this legendary seven minutes of music is like a very solid top 40 yeah, hits pop yeah. track for me. Like, I mean, for people who love pop and really appreciate pop, I'm sure for them, they're like, Oh wow. Like that's awesome. But for me, it's like, I, I guess for me, again, this is, I think maybe just personal preference. It's just like, for me, I don't see how 
in, in the context of the setting, this is the track that changes yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah that's the, I mean, that's a huge risk they're taking. Yeah, you can't just, like... At some point, you have to just, like, write that off as allowing the narrative to progress, yeah. though, right? I mean, but this is where you get, like, this is where you get, like, your, your dumbass love life situation, where it's like, this is our great song that represents our hopes and dreams, and it sounds exactly like uh, every <laughs> other fucking song we've sung. Right, it is like, the most, like, manufactured idol yeah. track. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always liked it, um... Right. When I've seen other, whether it's anime or other TV shows or whatever, whenever they would present that kind of situation where they would just like never actually show the song because there's no way you can actually, yeah. like, if you could write, if you could yeah, write a, an amazing yeah. life changing song, why would you just go do that and not make a cartoon? Like it's, it's this is not think, the greatest yeah, song of all time. This is I just think, a tribute. You know, yes, that, that's, that's yeah, yeah, you, beat, yeah. you beat me to it. You beat it's me to it. Song, but right? I guess I don't want to, you know, I, I know we're going on a bit, I guess, but the thing I just want to say is like, I guess I, I'm not against a piece of fiction being about the making of something. But I think, I think some of the, I think, for me, I guess it's just the context will heavily affect that, you know. Because yeah. for example, like to bring up another anime that I really do love that is about making something, which is Shirobako, and you know that anime is all about these people throwing their lives into making this anime. And quite frankly, the anime they're making in that show is not that special. The, it's yeah, not that but good, that's right? The genius of Shirobako. But, that's the cynicism of right, that show. Right. Well, well, like, it is both the cynicism, but I think it is also like you know, as an artist, it, it represents the kind of like it, 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 there is something heartwarming about like look at what these people are like really like putting all their effort into. Like maybe it's not the most like important thing in the world, but that doesn't invalidate their yeah, efforts. Yeah. And I guess I think if Carol Tuesday took more of that angle with uh, with their like career progression, I think maybe. I think I think maybe that's a version of the story I would be more into instead of oh Carol and Tuesday's like pop track is going to like revitalize music as we know it on yeah, Mars. Yeah, yeah, but that that's a very valid point actually. That is uh true. Yeah. So um. Well, but I guess that's we'll not all the time. I'm not enjoying. We'll it, I'm still, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm still I enjoying, enjoying uh, that show. But. Briefly, aside from the music, I do like just the. Just the, the the like the the relationship between the two main girls and just kind of the it's it's a fun show, right? Like the we had the we had the yeah, episode that, that was about that was about to be my next point. We had like episode three, like most notably, like when they're in the laundromat and they start making the song there or whatever, and it's just like that's just fun, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's that, I I love that scene. You know, just it was just the most fucking like you know it takes place on the Mars and he's just like like just one drop in. <laughs> Yeah, like like it takes place on Mars, but like thematically, you could tell like that is so much intended to be like the most fucking like New York City ass fucking yes. thing in the world, right? <laughs> it's just like two girls just start jamming and you know jamming some tr- some tunes out, and then just dude yeah, just decides right, to join. Well, I got nothing else <laughs> what going on here. This is my life now. Uh, I gotta wait what for my really like, like, We're all just waiting. Yeah, exactly. uh, what I really like about that scene and also the one in season in episode one is that the music is actually like sound edited to sound live. Whereas usually in anime yeah. where you have like someone playing music, that's just like a studio track playing. It's all like, yeah. Whereas here it actually <laughs> sounds like they're playing the instruments and singing within the, like within the, the, the scene. That's something I don't have ears. They're not good like double tracked and stuff thing. like that. It's all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really did enjoy that detail. Like, I think that's why I say, like, my favorite moments in this show are when it's, like, Carol and Tuesday are just, like, jamming tracks out. Like, my favorite scene in this entire show so far is the first time they they, they sing that yeah. song. 
like the kind of like awkward like collaboration aspect of it you know and i think i think for me is like i I want way more of those to like really sell me on the show versus like again like fucking erdogan's edm garbage (laughs) yeah i'm i'm assuming as they kind of get more settled into the the structure of making music as opposed to fending for their lives right now. Uh, that will be, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still very interested in seeing like if Taku Takahashi is Erdogan, who flying Lotus and Thundercat are going to be like this weird, ab- ambient huh, jazz, yeah. electronic kind of guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the thing. I, I feel like it would be a waste to bring on all these great musicians to have them make intentionally generic music. So I hope, I hope they let those guys really bust out their best work yeah. later in the show. All right. One more point I just want to throw in here as me complaining about Shinichiro Watanabe being a cranky old man here. The, uh, <laughs> the, the no, stuff. I'm not even going to get into him, but the, the, uh, the music references we kind of touched on a little bit so far have been... Oh, they are so, so far have been, uh So episode one was Cindy Lauper's True Colors, the title, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, episode yeah. two was Bruce Springsteen's uh, "Born to Run," and then I, uh-huh. the worst one I, is episode three, "Fire and Rain" by James Taylor of all people. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, like I said, I love I love Watanabe, <laughs> but man, if this is his taste in music, man, like I don't even know how the fuck Bebop and and Shampoo Ooh. got made. So the, the James Taylor one really hit me hard. I was like, really, really? Yeah, I was um, like. Like, like yeah, I'm not kidding. I say it's the most fucking boomer yeah, ass is, fucking. Yeah, like... that's that's peak. Uh... Hey man, yeah. hey man. Yeah, give like... Watanabe credit where it's due. He is a hashtag woke. Um, he is a hashtag woke hipster because he referenced Banksy. Oh, he did make the Banksy. Oh work. my god, yes. believe it. I don't even. That was pretty. Uh, Again, pretty like I, I, I lost man. it at that. It was so good. <laughs> I, I, I wish I hadn't been spoiled on that because, man, that is fantastic. Oh, you know, that is for anybody not amazing. familiar, I'll throw the link for that in the notes. To sort of, it was one of the paintings that uh, uh, Erdogan had. In yeah, house. that was in yeah. Erdogan's house. But yeah, anyway, but, uh, let's uh, let's move on to our final. Now that we're way over time already, let's <laughs> let's move on to our final uh, topic here. Sarah's on my episode two and three. Um. Iron G, I know you guys didn't watch two and three. I have not seen it. I have not seen I it have, yet. Yeah, I have not kept I up. I plan with on it. getting to it at some point. I uh, I probably don't unless I hear some like really yeah. fantastic. So I, I decided to write about this, which I have not done in a long yeah. time. Um uh, on an on a weekly basis. So if anybody wants more detailed thoughts, you can go check those out. But just a sort of a in summation, my general idea, I feel like this is like the most straightforward Ikahara has ever been with his storytelling, especially once we got to episode yes, three. Really? Um, so like in so like, like it actually has like a, a story you can more or less follow. <laughs> oh, so this might be the first thing I enjoy of his yeah, so, like, so like in episode <laughs> two, I mean if, if you guys don't mind us spoiling it, but the Please so in episode two, um we kind of got more backstory a bit on Kazuki's, uh, I guess, to the extent he is willing to go to keep his little brother happy. 
because uh, the they end, in the episode itself they end up chasing around this massive fat cat that is their like pet cat uh, through uh, <laughs> he ends up yeah sorry sorry I'm sorry how can you not enjoy an anime that is about a uh, 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 wannabe gangster who has this ruler as a sword and a guy who cross dresses as an idol to take selfies for his little brother chasing a big fat cat throughout a ninja themed theme park while pretending to be on a date because the big fat cat stole the wannabe gangster's weed. Yes, I don't yes, know. I've seen that weed, episode yes. of Metabots. So I <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so the, so the, um, yeah, part of it is, like, they're really not, like, pulling, like, any punches here. Like, the, 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 the like, delinquent kid guy is, like, basically selling drugs, and the fat cat, like, eats one of his dime bags, and that's why he ends up chasing him through the, uh, through the, uh, <laughs> The, the ninja themed amusement park which is having couples day so he has to pretend to be a couple with uh kazuki who's still dressed up as the idol girl but uh but that kind of ends on the so like the big you know they have their big sars on my thing at the end where they reveal that one of their secrets and uh they show uh the the main kid wanted uh or the the main kid's little brother was like i want a cat so he like went and stole somebody's cat that's where he got it from <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. And so, I like, mean, I feel like, people, why, st- why steal somebody else's cat, man? Fucking stray cats are a dime a dozen. People doing weird sociopathic shit to like make their disabled and or ill sibling happy is a very Ikuhara thing. <laughs> yes. Yes, so, yes. We got I mean, a little glimpse of penguin drum was about. So we got a little glimpse of that, and uh, they're, they're continuing. I guess it's going to be a thing where they just drop bombs after the credits because the the the, the very last thing we see in episodes two is uh, the main kid Kazuki is very tired and he's still dressed up as the idol girl and he falls asleep and the glasses kid uh, Enta comes up and uh, just plants one on him, uh, gives him a kiss while he's laying there. Does he know yes. it's his friend or does he, he think remember, it's know, You remember in the Oh, wait, wait, because they know, they, they find out yes. about it at the end of episode one. No, he's 100% he's sure. And in case there was any doubt whatsoever as to what was going on, at the beginning of episode three, literally within seconds, we get inside the the glasses kid's head, and he's like, I'm in love with Kazuki. I want to kiss him. <laughs> there's no... <laughs> All right. There's, like, Shit, no man. room for interpretation. Or, or I mean, I guess... Uh... I guess if there were any, if there was any last bastion of Ikahara fans out there holding out, I'd be like, no, his stuff isn't, it's, it isn't gay. It's actually about I something think, totally I think if you're different. Arguing, I, I think feel if you're like arguing Ikahara uh, works are, are not gay, then you're not really an Ikahara fan. Yeah, I, think, I, th- I feel like this one probably puts that to yeah, rest. Ikahara <laughs> thing is always like you, you, you will get your, you know, you'll get your canon gays, but you'll have to take the fact with them that they'll probably be weird and fucked up, like. <laughs> Well, I guess that's the thing, right? It's like I think I feel like past Ikahara works like always dealt in that subtext, but it was always mostly subtext. I mean, have you, have right? you seen I mean, Yurikuma Arashi? <laughs> no, that, I actually that was have not. Pretty so. explicitly gay. So, all right. Yeah. I mean, I gotta be frank, yeah. right? Like the last Ikahara anime I actually watched was Itena, I would say so. with Yurikuma, it was so weird that yes, it was very openly like gay and like very much more in your face with the sexuality of course but um it was, it was still like steeped in those like weird class s 
yeah. tropes of the like girls the, being touchy feely with each other, but it's all just like all girl high school thing. Yeah, it was still like detached it, enough from yeah. reality that while yeah, you can't yeah. really misinterpret it, it's it felt like it was more playing into those tropes, like you're saying, than being like a real like, like looking at it through a filter. Whereas here, it's like clear. It's like okay, this is a this relatively is a- normal kid going to a relatively normal school, and he's gay. Like yes. And yes, and he's in and he's in love with his friend, and there's like no room for misinterpretation or like seeing it a different way. That's that's what's happening here, and uh, it's both kind of interesting and kind of maybe a little bit heartbreaking because it's clear that it's a one sided thing. I think, and then uh, he kind of has. I mean, that- his imagination runs off with him a couple times as he's you know trying. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you don't. How much of that last imagined spot is his imagination, yes. and how much isn't? And that's where I'm like the, the the whole thing where like ah the football club had you do it as a dare was that imagination or did that actually happen? Yeah, that is like because what because what happens is um so most of the episode is is the kind of in the glasses kid's head as he's kind of working out his feelings and like how he's frustrated and also feels kind of guilty for kissing him and everything, and then. Uh, when they do the big Sarazanmai, they it reveals a scene, a couple scenes of him like grabbing his jersey from his locker and, and hugging it and more anime crush creepy stuff. Yeah, like, more a little, on a little, little bit of the creepier side, going and finding his recorder from his desk and putting his mouth on it. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm in the right uh, to you subjects, and they're all cowards. <laughs> I, you know what? I think I think that I think that there's an anime that did that's that. A trope. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a specifically thing. the recorder. Yes, happened in other but I don't remember which. Usually not. But, usually uh, not involving a boy being in love with another boy. But um, yes, that um, is a you know. that is a thing that ha- that has come up. But the thing that we Aku was talking about, like after they do the Sarazanmai, he kind of has like this dream sequence where Kazuki accepts it, and they decide to be together forever. But when he wake when because the Sarasanmai because the Sarasanmai obviously revealed his yes, crush like they basically reveal yeah. that he's in love with 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 the main kid, but once he kind of snaps out of his like dream vision of what he wants to happen, uh, you don't really not much happens like the the main kid's like oh, oh hey what happened to you or whatever like there's no like reaction and then I don't know if there's gonna be more on that later or so it's kind of hard to tell like where his like imagination ended and how much does the main kid really know yet? And I, based on what we've seen so far, I feel like they're going to tell us maybe next week or something, but that was just kind of a interesting question at the end of there. But, uh, cause I would think he would have a reaction, right? Like <laughs> if you, if you saw something like that, but, uh, anyway, it does end. And then the bomb, the bomb, the post credits bomb this week is showing that, um, Kazuki's little brother, is like sick in it in a wheel and has to get around in a wheelchair. And I realized, oh, we've never actually seen him walk or anything. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, so that's part of what, you know, if Kazuki seems a little desperate, that's, you know, setting up his, I guess, motivations for that or whatever. But, uh, this little brother who has a ponytail and is voiced by Rie Kigimiya, but is definitely a boy. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Well, he's supposed to, he's supposed he's supposed to be like very young. So like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, now I'm just this just reminds me of there's this one arc in Gundam Build Fighters Try where <laughs> what arc is this? there's this one arc very, 
like, remember the dude shit. who yes. like has to fight. He he uses the he uses the gunpla his his little his his little sick brother built for him to win the tournament or to try to win the tournament. He's like the boxer dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I don't know. It just reminded me of that. Oh, I guess the other <laughs> just, thing. This, this, I guess the other this, important thing you guys missed. So when they do the uh, when they do the Sarazanmai and eat the. Right. They have to reveal one of their secrets. Or... A, a hope dish, which is like a magic plate that yeah, grants a wish. Hope, yeah. Um, and okay. except they only get one in the first episode, and then afterwards yeah. they get like silver dishes, which are worth like ten silver dishes like or a, one uh, gold. It's like, a, it's like a gotcha game where the gold you want to get the gold ones, but. Great. Sometimes the gold uh, ones will great. drop, and sometimes the silver ones will drop, and you have to get five silver ones I to think, get a gold one. Yeah, I I think I'll just wait till the anniversary event when they're like dropping like ten <laughs> you gold get, dishes you get every 10 day. Gold dishes for logging in, and uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So I think that's All kind right. of so now that now the boys have like a motivation for fighting the zombie cap because they will get, and but it's kind of setting up and the fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, it's going to set up a conflict because you know obviously they're all going to want to make a wish, and there's only so many of these uh, dishes to go around. So uh, that's kind of where they're headed with that plot wise. But yeah, I mean, just overall, like I'm saying, I feel like and then there's there certainly is plenty of weird things going on that I don't understand, particularly with the uh, the hot cops. Um, but I feel like this has been like the most straightforward storytelling experience of any uh, Ikuhara anime I've seen so far. It's, it's like I said in my first impressions, right. you know, there are three layers, you know, there is like the the basic layer where, where it's like a, a relatively basic story of like these three kids have to fight monsters and they get a thing that grants their wishes if they fight the monsters and it's enjoyable on that level. And then you have like the, the, the baby's first symbolism level where it's like, <laughs> I mean, where it's like symbolism that everyone can understand, like right. uh, the kappa stuff is like, oh yeah, they do sumo poses because that's a kappa thing and all that kind of stuff. And then there's like the third level, which is like beyond into the stratosphere, the level that only Ikuhara himself will ever understand. <laughs> but I think like, I think that makes it a very good and appealing show because you can enjoy it as like mindless entertainment. You can enjoy it as like, hmm, yes, I see indeed. And you can understand it as like, what the fuck is going on? So I think it's that triple appeal that that, that quite well sums up why this show is so interesting to me. Yeah. And I feel like um, I feel like it is probably closest to Penguin Drum in that regard because Penguin Drum was also kind of similarly layered and probably the next the next easiest one to understand even though i think even penguin drum was a bit more like obtuse uh yeah at the but um yeah i mean penguin drum also had the advantage of being 24 episodes and therefore a bit more grandiose in scope yeah so it had like a lot of longer, yeah. Yeah. but uh yeah i'm i'm really enjoying it my only my only criticism is like i fully expected and maybe even demand that there is some kind of looped recycled sequence in every episode that is like uncomfortably long and also probably has music to it. Like, <laughs> but we have like two now because <laughs> we have like the, we have like the actual like fight with the Kappa, which is like basically the same. They like tweak some of the words or whatever. Um, yeah. 
and then we have I like mean, the they, hot they totally reanimated that scene to have Enta in the middle now. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but and, but <laughs> the audience, like conceptually, like your brain is yeah, still basically. Yeah. It's, like, it's like an endless eight thing. Like we put all of this effort into reanimated the same shit. Yes. <laughs> and um and then there's the hot cop sequence when they do whatever they're doing when they they have their whole song. So like literally like that's like five minutes of the episode recycled every uh every week automatically so far but i imagine that will not keep going every episode for too much longer but yeah all right i mean is it because you're watching an ikuhara yeah. show ikuhara shows are always like 20 percent stock footage <laughs> right like i said i was expecting i was expecting yeah, at least you know, one I've... sequence to to do that but now we have two so yeah i mean oh well I've always said because of that trait, uh, because of that tr- that trait of his and his directing style, that the Ikahara would make for a great uh, mecha anime director. <laughs> I would uh, love to see a mecha anime done I by mean, Ikahara. He would direct one hell of a Gatai sequence. That is true. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. that's that's kind of what I meant. Like, yeah, that that is a dude who certainly knows how to use the stuff. I guess my I guess my only problem is like the the trans the like. Recycled sequences here are not anywhere near on the level of like the Penguin Drum or Rutena ones, which I was happy to watch every single time. But uh, especially the Otena one where she's walking up the stairs. Yeah, but, those uh, Otena ones, man. Yeah. All right. So I think probably wraps it up now that we've crossed <laughs> yeah, two hours. I'd say so. Wow, we have uh, a right. two, two, two well, hour podcast. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna adjust my uh, my calibrations on the uh, the new students and how much time new stories takes for next time, and uh, yeah. we'll try and get this down to ninety uh, minutes. Thank you guys for yeah. toughing it out, and thank you all for listening. Uh, of um, course, I yeah. don't think. Eero, looks like we have our work cut out for ourselves uh, uh, in the next uh, yeah. the next podcast. Yeah, great. <laughs> So uh yeah so that'll uh that'll do it. Let's uh, do our housekeeping. You can uh read everything that we uh write and put up on uh, theglorioblog.com. You can follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. Like, comment, subscribe, leave a review whatever uh on the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, uh Spotify, Podbean and uh you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post the uh the podcast there. Um, you can listen to our other podcasts, uh, the legend of the Glorio heroes, where we talk about, uh, where Iron and G talk about the, uh, legend of the galactic heroes, uh, OVA. And we have started a new venture, which again, as G mentioned, will be out by the time this is out. Uh, the neon Genesis, Evan Glorio, very creatively named uh, new podcast where we will be, uh, watching, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, if you could not figure that out from the title. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that'll do it. Um, thank you guys for sticking it out once again, and we'll talk to talk thank to you. everybody next time. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.